time for the principles episode. We're gonna start off with talking about going, uh, going the extra mile, right? Or, or another way to say it is giving a whole lot more than than what you receive. So I have a, I have another podcast that I dibble dabble with. That's not we're not really doing much anymore on it. So I don't I don't think I told this story on on this podcast. But when I first got married, maybe like two years in, we took a uh, a bus tour. We, we went to New Orleans and we took a bus tour to some um, some plantations, uh, some old plantations out there. And and the bus driver uh, had been married for like fifty something years. And so as we were going, I was like. Well, hey man, listen. You know, I just got married. What advice would you give somebody like me on, you know, how to be married fifty plus years? And he was like, um, he was like, hey, um, always give seventy percent and don't accept any more than thirty percent. And I was like, man, that math, that, I don't understand that, right? And uh, it it took me a few years to understand. Ah, okay, you know, give a lot more than you receive. You know, part of it is just the perception. Everybody, you know, you always think you're giving more than what you're giving and vice versa. So it's being cool with accepting that, but it's saying, hey, listen, I'm going to go above and beyond uh, and give a lot more than what I receive. And so you can apply that to marriage, to being a parent, to being in, to being in business, right? When, you know, if you, if, if you have a customer and your product or service is t- worth $2,000, right? If you're not giving... $2,001 or more or $5,000 of value for that $2,000, it's going to be real hard to keep that customer, right? You have to establish in their mind that you that they know that they're getting a bargain for what you're charging because if, it, if it's flip-flopped and they feel like they're, they're, under, um, they're overpaying for what they get, you, you're not going to have that customer uh, f- for long. And so you have to give a lot more than what you receive. Uh, and, and here's another thing that um, I was watching an a, a interview um, with, the, with a billionaire, young, a relatively young billionaire, but a billionaire, and he was talking about how most wealthy people don't focus on making money. And I'm, the ones that were not born wealthy, but the ones that like created their wealth, right? they were focused on solving a problem. They were like, hey, this group of people uh, have this problem, and what I really want to go do is uh, I'm going to go the extra mile, and I'm going to just give of myself to help uh, solve this problem. And the bigger problems you solve, like the more money you make. But the focus was was not on I'm gonna solve this problem and make money. It was I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that I'm sure they understood that they would probably make money if they solved the problem. But the point is they became insanely focused on uh giving everything they had to solve the problem and they knew the money would take care of itself. And so and I'm I'm gonna hit with this last point, right? Because a lot, a lot of people who grew up, you know, in, in, in the church because uh, I can speak to that because I did too. Like I think I think they they don't understand the giving principle. They they think, you know, rightly so. Like a lot of churches abuse the giving principle. They just they're trying to use it to build a building fund, and way more churches do that than than, than makes me happy. But even if they're doing it uh, in a way that's nefarious, right? The 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 true point which is a principle that's not just in Christianity, it's just a life principle, right? It's in every wise religion, philosophy, it's the giving principle, it's the golden rule, right? It's it's teaching you to give first, right? Give first. And if you develop a habit of giving first, right, especially with the money, right? Because the money is the hardest thing for us to give first, though, right? We'll, you know, we'll give our kids to strangers, you know, before we, <laughs> before we uh, share our money. 
And so um, if you can master that with your money first, you can master it in every aspect of, um, you know, of your life. And so um, going the extra mile or giving a lot more than you receive is what I like to call it, uh, uh, is, is, a, is a solid principle for, for building wealth. Now, let's roll into the economic topic, which is, which is currency, right? And this kind of fits in uh, with what I talked about, what, you know, what is currency, right? Because we all have these, these dollars either electronically on our computer or some green stuff in our, in our pocket, and we don't fully understand what, you know, what it is, right? Because it's, it's, it's just a piece of paper, right? But, but ultimately, it's trust. Like, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it was talking about, and I'm going I'm to totally mess the story up, but it was talking about some some dude that traveled to some island back in the late 1800s. Um, he crash landed there, and the the tribe, the people um, uh, on their island, it was really hard to uh, get this limestone because it was on another island that was really hard to get to, and so they traded it as money because it was it was scarce, right? And so when he was getting ready to leave uh, the island, he said, "Hey, you know, I want to buy a bunch of coconuts because they had lots of coconuts there. So if I you know, when I leave, I'm going to charter a boat, come through, you know, use use the machines to get a bunch of limestone and bring it back to the island, buy a bunch of coconuts. So when he did that and brought it back, they didn't really want to take it because it, he kind of like cheated, right? They they, they, they they valued it as money uh, because it was scarce. And, and since they all knew it was scarce, they had bigger trust in it. But he cheated the system and it just... You know, it messed up. It messed up the uh, what they perceived as value. And my point in saying that was, you can use stones, you can use seashells. In in prison, they use cigarettes because it's hard to make a cigarette in prison. Um, but the point is, you know, money is trust, and specifically, trust in something scare, right? A scarce. And a side note, if you want to know again, a theme of building wealth or investing is, you got to find the scarce asset that people are gonna want. Right and own as much of that scarce asset um, um, as you know as you can if your goal is to to to, to build wealth. But the, but the short version of what currency is is it's trust, right? So each you know each country has a currency, right? And those currencies go up and down based on how investors you know trust the leadership and the folks that are running the economy and, and all those mechanisms, right? So. Let me uh, let me let me before I go further. Let me tie this back to the going the extra extra mile principle, right? Because the reason why you would why in a marriage, for example, he said seventy thirty, and it helped the marriage works is he built up currency, right? He built up currency with his partner by giving more than he received that allowed him to mess up at times and not lose his wife's trust, right? Because he built that currency, right? So currency is applicable and like in marriage again in business right so you got the customer and in your product selling for two thousand and somebody else comes and says hey i'll you know i'll sell you the same product or service for fifteen hundred you know but but they're thinking well but this hitch product is worth four thousand dollars and so i'm getting a a better deal right you never explained that but because you went that extra mile and you built up that currency Right, it's kind of like a deposit in the bank in in in, in their value account that they feel, and and it protects you, right? Uh, political currency, right? You know, we all believe in politicians until they we we don't trust them anymore, right? And then they get voted um, out of office. So 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 currency uh, is is trust. Um, wh- why am I explaining this, and, and why is this really important? Well, because 
what's happening in the world from an economic standpoint is every hundred years or so, and I've said this in previous podcasts. Matter of fact, if you're on my email list, then you you um you you got an email from me this week where I took clips from. Um, and I, these clips are already posted on my Ask Philip Facebook page, so you can go there and check all the clips that I put out here. But but starting around April, I started really doing a lot of episodes um, on economics, currencies, deflation. I did some on Bitcoin, on the New World Order, why I think cash is not as safe as you think. Um, but it, it was all around, like, you know, the concept that every hundred years or so, the monetary system changes because people lose faith in the system and a new system gets built, right? So we're in... We're, we're, we're in the middle of that, and um, people people all over, the, the, the smart money has already begun to understand that the system is broken, right? And that has consequences that are going to, you know, come to do. And sooner or later, the general population is going to um, realize this, um, but it's going to affect government bonds, government currencies negatively, right? One of the big reasons why I don't think cash is going to be worth as much, because whenever people lose faith in the in the in the system, right? They don't they don't want to own the cash, right? Just like those people didn't want to own the 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 lime that was easy to get. Like if a if a government's just printing money irresponsibly and putting it all out there and it's no longer scarce, they're like, well this is not really valuable. You know, what else you know, what do I where do I want to hold my store of wealth, right? Because if you have savings, it's like this is money I don't need, so I want to protect it so I can spend it later. Well if this is not worth anything, then where are you gonna put those savings, right? It can go in the stock market, it can go in the bond market, it can go in real estate. The reason why you see cryptocurrency getting built was cryptocurrency or the Bitcoin, which was the first one, started in 2009 by who, some, we still don't know who the person is, but that's that's kind of the beginning of when people, when, when the system got broken and people um, started becoming less and less trusting. And as a matter of fact, uh, Bitcoin has been the fastest growing asset in the history of asset classes, Right. And I think there's a correlation between when the system got broken and Bitcoin getting bigger and bigger um, because people are realize it's, it's like, oh, man, the system is broken, right? And Bitcoin is kind of a measuring tool for uh, people losing faith in the system and having, and, and having faith in something that is scarce, right, that isn't controlled by 12, you know, older white dudes, right, that control the money supply around the world, which is, which is the truth, not understanding what's, what's going on is going to hurt investors because they're going to think, oh, uh, things are crazy. I'm going to go into bonds. Those don't keep you safe when the system blows up because bonds lose money when people sell them, right? Interest rate, interest rate is going up. I mean, people, people are selling bonds. They don't want to hold that paper anymore. Um, if, if, you hold, if, the, if, if you want to know how cash does in a situation where, and this is an extreme version, but Google, Zimbabwe, hyperinflation, Germany, hyperinflation, or just Google like the U.S. dollar, uh, you know, value going down over time, right? It's going down a whole lot over time, um, which affects you in purchasing power, right? Because you can buy a house 40 years ago for a whole lot cheaper than you could today. But understanding that concept and how to allocate your money over the next 30 years is going to be really important because it's not going to work the same way. People think, oh, I can just have a 60-40 stock portfolio, um, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and I'll be fine. No, you won't. Not in my opinion. Right. You're going to have to think about stocks can make you money over time. Right. That's not going to change because they're going to people, people, own, people own companies, people innovate. There'll be companies that will do business well in the real world. So that won't change. But the 
the safe assets, the stock, the bonds and cash, that's changing, right? And you got to rethink that part of your portfolio um, and, and, and what things you want to own that's a, that's a hedge for when the system changes. So that's my two cents. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but currency is trust. People losing trust in the system. When that happens, there's effects on assets, and you want to know what assets people actually are starting to trust uh, for safety and security of their non-risk assets over time. Final thoughts. And this, and this is just like, it may sound super petty, but it was annoying. So uh, I, don't, I don't really love watching the UFC. I watch it every now and then when there's a good fight because I think a lot of them have, you know, a lot of them can fight. I'm just, I don't enjoy the wrestling on the ground all the time. So I like the I like the ones that, that that strike a lot. But it's one really good fighter. Like he's one of the best fighters in UFC, named Colby Covington, who uh, you know his persona is he's a MAGA Trump lover. Just you know it it started off as just a um, a stick to save his career, and I think he forgot that it was a character, and he takes on the persona, and so um, he has multiple times called out LeBron James. Right. And, and, and recently, after Nate Robinson got beat by that YouTube guy, he called out LeBron James talking about that he could beat him up. And I'm like, LeBron hasn't responded, which is super smart. Right. Because he's like, I'm like, I'm worth a million times more than you. And you're like a little mosquito. Sit down somewhere. But I, I thought that was weak. I'm like, so you feel like a bigger man because you're a professional fighter and you call out a professional basketball player. Like, LeBron didn't call you out and take him play one on one basketball with him because that would be an ass whooping. But you want to call him out, you know? If if, if it were me, I, you know, I might say something like, "Hey, man, look, I I know I can't fight you, but how about you just meet me in Florida, or Texas, and watch me stand my ground if you come at me?" That's how I would take it. But LeBron's a uh, 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 has stronger character than me, cause uh, yeah, I know I, I know I probably couldn't whip that dude. But I'm like, man, you know, you need to sit down somewhere. This is what you do all day. Grow up. Stop being a bully. What I really want is is Usman to come call this dude out because Usman the one that broke that dude's face he's a professional fighter in the UFC too um, and say hey you you know don't worry about Braun worry about me that's what I wanted to happen we'll see we'll see but uh, signing off y'all enjoy the rest of your week and we'll talk next week if you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals Philip offers complimentary consults through his company Stonehill Wealth Management for more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.